0: it's the pete calendar show with more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in north carolina pete calendar is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time because he's a giver and now here's pete
1: what's going on welcome to the show it is september 18th man science changes so fast in these covid times What's going on? Welcome to the program. Thanks so much for listening. And the show is made possible by patrons like Terrence and Teresa, Rebecca and Taylor, Keith, Yuri, Larry, David, Patty, JK, Trudy, and Ron, Ben and Gene. I appreciate all of the support. Couldn't do it without you guys. Uh also General Equipment Rental, GeneralRents.com. By the way, they are doing a big fall sale right now for chainsaws, blowers, trimmers, mowers. Tons of more deals. They're not going to last long at General Equipment Rental. They are your official Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. Okay, so this is the big Husqvarna fall sale. Go check out the deals on generalrents.com. You've heard me talking about the Karcher Mister as well. By the way, you know, it doesn't just sanitize for COVID 19. Yeah, you can also use it to eliminate allergens like pet dander and dust mites, um, which is like really helpful if you've got somebody coming in from out of town and they're allergic to like your dog or your cat. Uh, you can use the Karcher Mr. and spray down everything before the visit. Um, sanitize and remove tough odors from soft surfaces like carpets and rugs and upholstery and curtains. And, of course, it does uh, HVAC systems, deodorization, Duct work deodorization. Uh, So if you've got... uh, This happened to me. I moved into a house years ago, and the previous owners were smokers, and so the venting system, ugh, it was just constantly churning out. (laughs) Just that stale cigarette smoke. I wish I'd had that, mister. Uh, But they also have... All of your equipment rental needs from construction and earth moving to lawn and garden equipment, whatever the project is that you are looking to do, whether you're a homeowner, whether you're a general contractor, they've got the right tool for you. General equipment rental. I know I learned this a long time ago, whether it was working on my car or renovating my old house. If you have the right tool for the job, you can do basically anything. You really can. And especially today with the YouTube videos. You can watch a YouTube video. All you need is the tool. But the folks at General Equipment Rental, they're going to work with you. They're going to walk you through how to use this piece of equipment so you don't have to worry about uh, not knowing how it operates. They're going to show you how it works, and they're going to ask you about the project that you're doing. And sometimes people go in thinking that they need one tool for it, and it turns out that they don't. They need some other tool. They will help you with all of that. General Equipment Rental, generalrents.com in Weaverville. Family owned and operated for now three generations. They're at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. Generalrents.com, General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. Think outside your toolbox. All right, so Wednesday, North Carolina Republican elected officials joined some parents to call on Governor Roy Cooper a Democrat, to reopen schools. I'm old enough to remember this. Remember, we actually did the show yesterday. And the McClatchy Newspaper's editorial board called this a reckless political stunt. Within a few hours, Governor Cooper gave one of his COVID briefings, and he made the following announcement.
0: We have shown that listening to the science works, and I'm proud of our resolve. As a result, our key numbers have stabilized or even decreased in some instances for a sustained period. This determination has slowed the spread of this virus. It's kept our hospital capacity stable, and without a doubt, it has saved lives. It has also put our state in position to move another careful step forward (laughs) in a critical area, schools. Today, I announced that North Carolina public school districts will be permitted to choose option A for their elementary school students <laughs> only in kindergarten through fifth grade.
1: It's a science decision. It's science, everybody. Well, and data and facts, right? Science and data and facts. Oh, my. Science and data and facts. Oh, my. Science and data and facts. That's what this is, right? Right incantations they just say it's science and it's data and we're relying on facts and data and science and facts and data and facts and they just keep saying it over and over and over again and I guess that works on some people if you say anything enough times I guess people believe it maybe that's the philosophy it's marketing but it's not science this isn't science I do think I mean there's just something particularly sweet about the News and Observer and the Charlotte Observer. Just you know, they have a they now have a uh, consolidated editorial board, so it's I just call it the McClatchy editorial board. They put out this uh, editorial after the Republicans. So this was Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest, State Senator uh, the Majority, uh, or sorry, the President Pro Tem uh, Phil Berger. The North Carolina Superintendent for Public Instruction candidate Catherine Truett, and a bunch of parents they did this press conference and the editorial board for McClatchy puts out a uh, a response to this calling it a reckless Republican stunt on reopening NC schools in a news conference Wednesday. Republicans irresponsibly demanded that Governor Roy Cooper give all public school parents a choice to send their children to full-time in-person classes, a move that essentially would result in all NC schools being forced to reopen their doors regardless of the level of COVID-19 spread in their communities. So I'm not sure... I have not seen any kind of follow-up here. Is the editorial board going to call Governor Cooper reckless and irresponsible? I doubt it, because when Cooper makes the same decision that the Republicans are calling for, uh, that's science. That's a careful step. That's being intentional and safe and trying to prioritize the health of all the people. (laughs) But <laughs> Republicans say it, and it's reckless and irresponsible. They go on to say, not satisfied at being merely unreasonable. Dan Forrest <laughs> also declared that students and teachers should not be required to wear masks at school. <laughs> well, he said, he said, required by him. He didn't think that that would be a require. He didn't think that should be a requirement. But it. But he leaves it up to everybody to make their own decisions. And so if a school district wants to enact a safety plan when they reopen and they say, hey, okay, you know what, K through five, uh, maybe you don't need these measures, but grades six through 12, you do, or vice versa, or whatever. Maybe you break it down differently. Maybe individual classes are different. Uh, Just you leave it up to the people to make the decisions for themselves, the people who are running these organizations, right? That's what he said. I'm not going to require it. (laughs) But giving people this freedom, allowing them to choose, that is uh, now just uh, not only unreasonable, but yes, it's reckless and it's irresponsible. The lieutenant governor might want to introduce himself to a search engine... A few keystrokes would unearth the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and the Prevention and Prevention's recommendation that appropriate and consistent use of masks is most important when students, teachers, and staff are indoors and when social distancing of at least six feet is difficult to implement or maintain. Oh, so interesting. So um, appropriate and consistent use of masks is most important when staff are indoors and when distancing is difficult to implement or maintain. So what you're saying then is if i stay 6 feet apart and i am disciplined about doing that if there's some way to force and ensure everybody is that far apart from each other then it's okay, you don't need the mask? Interesting. So there are some options available. <laughs> or if you're outside, for example, and you're 6 feet apart, is it really requ- are you required to wear a mask? I mean, i recognize that there is, you know, some probably very very minor uh, advantage if you are 10 feet away from somebody standing outside talking for any you know lengthy period of time. I'm sure if you did wear a mask that there would be some sort of negligible impact, <laughs> right? But I-, I don't understand why you're not allowing people to make these decisions for themselves. When did you guys become the experts on this stuff? Are you epidemiologists? No, but we're listening to the scientists. Hmm, okay, are you listening to the same scientists that Governor Cooper's been listening to? Because the scientists now tell him opening K-5 through is safe. By the way, we knew this months ago. We knew this months ago. I was talking about it. I'm not a scientist. But I was reading other scientists from around the world who were saying, hey, look, K through five, you're not really seeing a lot of spread. The young kids, they don't really catch it. They don't really spread it. And if they do get it, it's not very serious. The risks are very, 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 very low. John Sanders, our friend at the John Locke Foundation, he crunched the numbers on this. Do you know what the chances are not what the chances, but do you know how many people in North Carolina um, have... COVID-19 or had like the chance of you having COVID-19 you're around say a hundred people you know how many of the hundred people you're likely to be exposed to COVID-19 from like one one 98.22 percent of all the people you come in contact with do not have it which means 1.78 percent of them do so let's call it two people so two people out of 100 That's what you're talking about. So the chance of you encountering those two people out of 100 are going to be pretty low, right? Pretty low. This is all about risk assessment. And finally, by the way, I heard Mandy Cohen, the Secretary of Health and Human Services at this press conference yesterday. She finally started talking about risk assessment because now she's got to convince this is the this is the jam that they're in. That the that the governor and the secretary of health have spent so much time essentially fear for people, right, telling them that COVID is everywhere, you're going to die if you go out, you're going to die if you don't wear a mask, you're going to die if you don't wash your hands, you're going to like all of these uh, warnings and such, and they never presented data. They never presented science to talk about the risk factors. Now they are. Now all of a sudden, now that they want to open up K through 5, now all of a sudden it's like, well, let's look at the risk, people. The chances of a kid getting it and spreading it and dying from it are very, 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 very low. All of a sudden, like you see, all of a sudden. Back to the editorial from the McClatchy Uh, editorial board, CDC director Dr. Robert Redfield is quoted saying that Americans have not yet embraced the use of masks to a level that could effectively control the outbreak. Okay, and this, I've been talking about this, by the way, since the very beginning, which we are not a mask culture. And a lot of the people who are like, we need to be a mask culture. Look at, you know, Japan and South Korea. They're like, look at how they're able to combat this. Yeah, you know why they're a mask culture now? because so many of them died during SARS. They had to learn the same way we are too. People don't adopt these types of intrusions, right, unless the risk-benefit ratio is high enough for them. And that's why those societies now adopted them. One reason, by the way, this is the editorial board, one reason for uh, this Failure by Americans to fully embrace the use of masks is public officials like Dan Forrest, who's running for governor and regularly appears at campaign events without wearing a mask and while standing closely to supporters. Um, this has been a thing that the has been one of the most disturbing aspects of all of this COVID-19 stuff is the number of media people that have turned out to be just scolding hall monitors. Just running around, oh, who's wearing a mask? Who's not? Who's wearing a mask? Who's not? Well, except, of course, during the Black Lives Matter protests. They they dropped that act for those protests. Forrest's spokesperson, Andrew Dunn, told the editorial board that the lieutenant governor believes people should have the freedom to choose to wear a mask or not wear a mask and that it should not be mandated by the government. When asked if Forrest believes masks work against COVID, Dunn declined to answer. I thought... Forrest actually did. I thought he said that he believed that they don't work. Politicizing COVID is not new to Forrest, who sued Cooper earlier this year over the governor's virus restrictions and said closing restaurants and dining rooms was a bad idea. He sued because Governor Cooper uh, overreached in his authority. That was his argument, that Governor Cooper, while he had the authority to act in an emergency capacity initially... It has gone on for so long now that he has had ample opportunity to go back to the Council of State the what nine other elected officials who make up uh, the uh, a, a, the executive branch of our state government of which you know Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest is one, but Republicans control that there are more statewide elected Republicans in those seats than Democrats and the and so Cooper does not want to go to the Republicans because he doesn't want to have to explain himself to them and force some level of cooperation between himself and his adversaries. This is what I mean. Everyone, the media pretends that Governor Cooper is like some mild-mannered milk toast, go-along, get-along, all shucks, just a nice guy. Dude's a political monster, okay? He won't even go to the Council of State to get approval for his lockdown orders or anything else he wants to do because he's afraid that the Republicans might push back on him. So he he just skirts them completely. That's what the lawsuit was over. Back to the editorial. He's consistently delivered the wrong message to North Carolinians on the virus. And that signal delivered for too long by so many Republicans is part of why so many of our children are looking at their teachers on screen instead of in person. Here they are now straight up blaming the GOP for the spread. Now. Not any of the mass demonstrations that occurred. Not Roy Cooper marching along with them in solidarity, pulling his mask off, and I'm with you, you know, fist up in the air, sending a signal that this is all acceptable behavior, right? No, that that was worth it, you see. In their minds, that was worth it. It's just that they just turn the switch off, and that's totally fine to protest. It was totally fine to do all of that, but a Republican gathering, not fine. All because you're working off a fundamental assumption that Republicans are bad, right? That's where this comes from. It's just a, a default position that if it's a Republican, they're not going to agree with you. If it's a Republican that's espousing something, you're going to believe that uh, it's a lie. It comes from an evil place, a racist place, a sexist place, a science-denying place, a place of hating children and the elderly and the poor and everybody else, right? That's All All of these assumptions feed into this kind of an editorial. Now, I'm sure they'll disagree with that. They don't read it like this at all. They're just calling them out, you know, speaking truth to power, holding the powerful accountable. They're blaming Republicans for the spread of the virus. Two words, guys. New York. They say it's also quite simply not going to happen right now. Burger and Forrest... Oh, hang on. <laughs> they literally say that... Opening schools is not going to happen. And within, I think, five hours, Cooper announced that he was opening K through five schools. (laughs) (laughs) Berger and Forrest surely know this, but November, this is what I mean. You will read this piece from them, right? And I'm tearing this thing apart because it's obvious they don't know what they're talking about. It's obvious they're just partisan hacks here. Carrying water for Governor Cooper, running cover for the precious, right? That's what they're doing. Yet, tomorrow, we'll pick up the News and Observer, pull out their editorial, they'll write something about some other topic, and we'll believe that they have the authority and expertise to make a uh, an opinion about that, right? To offer us their thoughts on this other issue after looking at this thing. Yeah, no, you guys don't have any idea what you're talking about. It's simply not going to happen right now. And they know this. Surely they know this. <laughs> I almost, I just, I want to thank Governor Cooper for making this announcement yesterday, as he did, the day that this editorial ran. I I just want to thank him, because it's rare that we get to cite a Democrat dunking on uh, the editorial board over there. (laughs) Now, okay, he's not dunking on them, per se. He's just, well, he's just passing me the ball so I can dunk on them. That's all, right? It's just... (laughs) It's an assist. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, reopening schools was a reckless political stunt. That was Wednesday. Wednesday, the News and Observer says reopening schools is a reckless political stunt. Thursday, though? Well, Thursday, the science has changed, and now we can do it.
0: We're able to open this option because most North Carolinians have doubled down on our safety and prevention measures <laughs> and stabilized our numbers. It's-
1: So hang on a second. So most North Carolinians have doubled down. Would that include the Republicans that the News and Observer says is causing the spread, which, by the way, is down?
0: (laughs) And stabilized our numbers. Oh, goodness. The science of lower viral spread among younger children also backs up this decision, which Dr. Cohen will address further. I'm proud of our work to get to this point. And know that a number of school districts are moving soon to in person instruction under plan B with strong safety measures. We anticipate more will join them.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh huh. We I do too, because the science has said this for a long time, for months. When Roy Cooper made his announcement that he would not be requiring schools to open or offer uh, offer some sort of in person instruction, right, because that's what happened, he refused to mandate that for the schools, and so schools caved to the teachers union, and they all went with the Plan B and the Plan C, right, either total remote learning or you know in class for a couple days of the week and then out of class for a couple other days of the week. Nobody wanted to offer full-time in-person instruction under Plan A because nobody wanted to get in trouble, right? Nobody wanted to be the poster child if they did it, and then there was an outbreak of some kind. Oh, my gosh, everybody would be focusing on them. And honestly, the amount of scolding hall monitor BS that the media uh, is engaged in right now, can you imagine the coverage of a school district that did that? Anyway, so now he says the science shows them that... Uh, K-5 through five kids are safe. This is safe for them. Generally safe for them. Which again, this is not new. He knew this when he decided not to mandate the in-person instruction. Nothing has changed. The only thing that changed is his decision. That's it. That is the definition of rule by man. He's just deciding arbitrarily that, you know what, now is okay. Now, was he prompted by the uh, the demands by uh, Forrest and Berger and the parents at the press conference the previous day, I doubt it. I sincerely doubt that Roy Cooper made this decision based on what Dan Forrest and Phil Berger demanded he do. I suspect that he's getting a lot of pushback from parents who are now seeing their kids fall further and further and further behind. And now it's gotten to the point where he cannot deny uh, the impacts that these decisions are having and uh, I think he's looking at some polling. I really do. I think there is some polling. How do you blow? Th- seriously, he th- this guy had almost a 30-point lead a few months ago. It's now down to single digits. I'll give you some more single digits, actually. Uh, triple zeros, three of them. Three single digits. Zero, zero, zero. Zero money down. 0% APR for up to 24 months so no interest and zero payments for 90 days all for a new mattress at Mattress Man Stores. Mattressmanstores.com four locations in Asheville, Arden and Hendersonville. They ship nationwide. Let the sleep consultants help you find the right bed for you. Five-star delivery service and a 120-day comfort guarantee. They are giving away a free box spring with the purchase of a Biltmore mattress. These are the uh, mattresses that are at the Biltmore, ironically enough. Yes, it's true. At their inn and at their hotel, they're made by Restonic out of Fayetteville, and they're also giving away an adjustable base with the purchase of select mattresses. They also are offering a 10-inch queen-size gel memory foam mattress uh, for only $399. And the triple zero deal Do what my friend Manuel did. Uh, He said about a month ago, he bought a mattress from Mattress Man in Hendersonville, and they provided outstanding service at what I thought was a great price. Delivery and setup was done very professionally, as you mentioned on your podcast. So uh, please go get your mattress from Mattress Man. Help the the advertisers who uh, support this program and experience the difference. I mean, their sleep consultants are going to help you find the right bed for you. So uh, go check them out online. Check out all the inventory they've got there at MattressManStore.com or walk into any of their four locations and buy local and sleep better. All right, so Dr. Mandy Cohen says that the data and the science uh, all shows that they are on, that we are on the right track by listening to them.
2: And we see similar positive data when we look at young children. Mm. Since school started about a month ago, We've seen 10 school clusters across the state, involving a total of 16 students and 46 staff members. In the last two weeks, we've seen the case numbers for school-age children decline, a trend that is particularly strong amongst our younger elementary school children. And there don't appear to be differences in community spread of the virus in districts where they're operating in a hybrid in-person model versus an all-remote learning model. That's good news. We also have the benefit of evolving science, which is currently (laughs) showing that younger children are less likely to become infected, less likely to have symptoms, experience severe disease, and less likely to spread the virus to others. The science also shows that (laughs) in-person learning is so important for the development of all children, and especially for younger children.
1: My goodness, she sounds like a right-winger. She sounds like Dan Forrest. (laughs) It is amazing how when they show up to the science party late, now all of a sudden everybody believes it just began. People, People who have been questioning Governor Cooper's lockdown science and data and facts... They've been saying this very stuff for the last minimum three months. I have, and I again, I'm just a little old podcaster in Asheville. Cooper was asked then to respond to the call from Dan Forrest and Phil Berger to reopen schools. He was asked point blank, are you doing this because of that?
0: It's irresponsible to say we're going to fill up our classrooms now with no safety measures,
1: That's Okay, let me just stop that. That is not what they said. They did not say, open the schools with no safety measures. They said, open the schools to give parents an option and let the school districts craft those plans. And if a school district wants to say, yeah, you know what? No safety precautions. Well, that's going to be up to that school to do that. And then it'll be up to parents to decide, do I want to send my kid to this school? And maybe some parents do, but I suspect a lot of them would not. This is what I mean. You, You... You know, you got to trust people. You have to trust parents. But for, you know, Democrats like Cooper, they don't trust parents. They don't. They don't trust them to make these decisions. Oh, they trust themselves to make their own decisions for their kids. But think about the mindset that they must have about you and your kids and your parenting abilities they they don't think you can parent correctly so they're going to make these decisions for you it's why they don't it's why they don't like the school choice programs it's why they oppose the school vouchers opportunity scholarships they don't want that kind of choice they don't think you can handle it and then you got dan forrest saying no they can handle it let them decide and the news and observer responds with that's reckless and
0: irresponsible and with no masks the science is clear on masks they work to slow the spread of the virus. Dr. Redfield, the CDC director in Congress in his testimony said it is the most effective weapon that we have when he held it up. Dr. Burks, Dr. Fauci, other members of the White House Coronavirus Task Force talk about how important it is for people to wear masks. And when elected leaders and people in important policy positions discourage the use of masks, then that becomes part of the problem because what you do is increase community spread when fewer people wear masks, particularly at larger gatherings, and therefore you make it harder for us to get our children safely in school. You make it harder for us to be able to ease restrictions and to get our economy going full speed again. And you make it harder to slow the spread of the virus.
1: All right. So once again, echoing the News and Observer's editorial, he's blaming Republicans for this. By the way, do you think, I know he's quoting the CDC Director Redfield, but do you think that maybe, I don't know, recommending people not wear masks at the very beginning of the pandemic, do you think that might have led some people to disbelieve this is a is a good course of action to take and, and the efficacy of the masks. You want people to now trust a source that has admitted to lying about its recommendations on this very thing. These same people told Americans, don't go buy masks. They don't work. That was what they told everybody. And now they're telling everybody, get the masks. Sorry, we had to lie to you at the beginning. We just needed to save all of the uh, the masks for, uh, you know, for the uh, healthcare professionals. We didn't want them to run out of the PPE. So we had to lie to you. And look, I understand. I've said this before. I understand you got bad options and you're looking at, okay, do we run out of supplies for the frontline workers? Uh, and then we're going to have, you know, bodies piled up in the streets and nobody to take care of people. Um, or do we... Uh, basically choose these other lives to sacrifice. We say, okay, don't tell people to wear masks. Uh, in fact discourage them from doing so uh, so this way the equipment goes to the frontline workers. and then later on you come back and say, okay yes, we had to lie about that now go get masks. Are you lying now? Seriously. you raise these questions. I don't. this is like these are the the ramifications of these decisions that you made. When you said we had to lie to people in order to save the PPE for the frontline workers, now you can believe me. Well, I'm not so sure I can. That is a reasonable position to take. But you're treating me as if I'm somehow trying to kill people because I'm doubting the people that have admitted lying to me. (laughs) This is is a problem. This is a real problem. So when uh, they open up the schools, by the way, what about the buses?
2: Um, we are still recommending to districts, even if they move to Plan A for in-person instruction, to really, if they're at all possible, to continue with density reduction on buses. It's not a requirement, but I think density reduction and more social distancing on buses um, would, would, uh, is something that we're recommending.
1: Really? So they're not requiring density reductions on the school buses? But masks, Yes. So you got to wear a mask and then you're going to pile all the kitties into the school buses and they're all going to sit on the bus together and uh, not going to reduce the density. In other words, uh, you know, limit the capacity on the school buses. So restaurants, you're going to limit the capacity, (laughs) right? Restaurants are at 50%, bars are at 0%. Oh, also you got stadiums. They're not allowed to have more than 50 people in a 50,000 seat stadium to watch college football right there you're not going to allow the parents in there oh wait a minute that science just changed too man science is moving so fast nowadays apparently petitions from football families is sciencey did you know that science can be swayed by petitions from college football families who knew not me so here you go Yesterday, college football stadiums were not allowed to house the families of the players because this is we talked about this the other day, too, where you've got families that are like, look, I've never missed a game of, you know, my kid has ever played since Pop Warner football, and I want to be able to go and watch him play. But the governor's. Uh, administration says, no, you only get 50 tickets because that's what the statewide capacity cap is. Outdoor event limited to 50 people, no matter the size of the venue. This is how asinine this is, right? This is how stupid this is. And they want us to accept that this is science based when it obviously wasn't. That's science based. If you're telling me that I have to stay at least 10 feet away from people or six feet away from people. And when I'm outside, does it matter I mean, if this is the case, then you got to shut down every city because people are walking around in cities and there's definitely more than 50 people walking on the streets of a city at any given time. And a stadium is a huge venue. And no, you can't have more than 50 people in a 50,000 seat stadium. This is insanity. So they went and petitioned the governor. NC State got word this morning that they will receive. 350 tickets for Sunday's home game against Wake Forest. Each player on the team is going to get 2 tickets. So instead of 50 people in a in a 50,000 seat stadium, there will be 350 people in a 50,000 seat stadium. This is still Asinine <laughs> Each player on the team gets two tickets. the school also will give 100 tickets to Wake Forest so they can have uh, they can distribute them to the uh, you know the opponent uh, in a letter from the governor's office sent to one of the parents Friday morning, one of the stipulations for attending games was to maintain the three W's like okay, we're gonna give you these tickets now, but you have to prove to us little stupid parent that you can follow our rules. The three Ws, Families also have to wear face masks. Thursday morning, parents of Wolfpack players, NC State, met at the governor's administration office downtown Raleigh and handed over a petition with 96 signatures from parents. <laughs> and that's what did it. 96 signatures. Hey, um, would you mind, I don't know, maybe signing a petition to open up the bars? <laughs> Apparently, football families got this kind of juice. <laughs> Maybe they can make it happen for the uh, for the bars and the theaters. Dan Forrest, lieutenant governor, said uh, on a, in a tweet this morning, quote, relieved for all the parents that the science officially changed overnight from last weekend, and now they'll be able to watch their sons play in person again. Yeah, it's amazing. Science moves so fast in this COVID era. <laughs> And yes, I do mean to call it this COVID error. Uh, Now, don't make an error when buying a new home, okay, or selling a home. There are people lined up ready to buy homes. Call Rowena Patton. She's got a line of people ready to buy. If you are thinking of selling, this is a great time to sell. 333-4483 is the phone number. 333-4483. Call Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team. The website, mountainhomehunt.com. Buying or selling, call the only agent that I called, Christy and I called uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, we're under contract buying a house. Looking forward to it. So 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com. Tell her you heard it here on the podcast. Tell her you're one of the fans of the show she calls she calls y'all uh, her tribe. <laughs> you are her tribe. So dot mountainhomehuntcom and start packing. AP Dillon from the North State Journal did not get to ask the governor any questions at his press conference because, of course, why should she? She's not on the approved list. She might actually ask a challenging question of this governor. She actually posted on Twitter uh, after the news conference ended, she posted her questions, a list of her questions, and she says, here's what we would have asked. Number one, what are the specific metrics we're aiming for? ABC 11 asked this question, and Cooper did not answer it. So she was going to follow up and try to get an answer out of that. What are the specific metrics we're aiming for? And they won't say. It's science. So science will tell us when the metrics are achieved, but not before they're achieved. Only after we achieve the metrics will he tell us what those metrics were. It's science. How do special needs students fit into this announcement? WRAL asked that question and did not get an answer. Her other questions were, what happens if a K-5 kid cannot wear a mask or the parents object to one? Will the schools force them to wear it or force them to do remote instruction? It's a good question. Um, Now that elementary school kids are being allowed to do five-day-a-week in-person learning, can media now have in-person briefings? No, that's never happening. Um, (laughs) This is the, the Joe Biden approach. As bars remain frustrated, questions about breweries, strong plan of public safety. This is a story that WFAE, the public radio station down in Charlotte, uh, published fellow named Steve Harrison, he actually used to be a Charlotte Observer reporter, now he works for FAE. And full disclosure, my first radio job out of college was working there as well. When NASCAR wanted to race the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte Motor Speedway, it sent Governor Cooper's office a 20-page health and safety plan. When Republicans wanted to hold their convention in Charlotte, they submitted a plan uh, totaling 42 pages. And when the Carolina Panthers wanted to have fans at Bank of America Stadium, the team sent the Department of Health and Human Services a 21-page plan. In early August, Cooper was asked at a news conference why breweries, but not bars, have been allowed to open in his Phase 2, but I call it Phase 1.875. In early August, he was asked this, and the governor said, there's a difference in that these products were made on site, and in addition, the small number of those craft breweries and wineries presented a strong plan of public safety. That's what he said. There were two reasons why breweries, not bars. Breweries were allowed because... They make their beer on site, and COVID knows this, and so it doesn't smite down the imbibers, right? If you make your beer on site, it's um, it's an inoculation. If you bring the beer in, then you get killed. That's how, that's how COVID works. So that's the first one. The second is that there are so few breweries and wineries, uh, but that they also gave a, a strong plan of public safety. So WFAE said, hey, can we see the plan? And DHHS says, actually, we don't have any kind of written a plan uh, for them. So, so the Panthers and NASCAR and uh, the, the GOP convention, they all gave you 20, 30, 40-page plans, but breweries gave you nothing? Zach Medford of the North Carolina Bar and Tavern Association said he is shocked that the state does not have more information from the breweries. Quote, we will go above and beyond that. Bar owners across North Carolina are willing to make any pledge that the governor and DHHS want us to sign," he said. "Bars are willing to go to uh, to close at 11 p.m. and reduce capacity to 50 percent. Right, the bars still are not open, and they're they're pleading. Just tell us what to do, and we will do what We need to open. And now they just found out that the breweries. Never even submitted a plan. Now, Richard Green with the North Carolina Craft Brewers Guild said his organization started meeting with the state early in the pandemic, even before Cooper enacted the stay-at-home order in late March. He said brewers were already working on reopening and uh, drafting plans for reopening uh, before they got closed down. Well, isn't that very proactive of them? How did they know to start doing a plan have they been the source of the COVID? I'm just kidding, people. I'm just kidding. With DHHS, uh, while the DHHS may not have a detailed written plan, Green says there were extensive conversations about reopening safely. That's interesting, too, because Medford from the bar owners or the tavern owners, he says that the governor won't even talk to them. They won't even return their calls and stuff. Yet the, the brewers, they're they're in discussions for months. And that was enough. He said their suggestions were incorporated into the state's guidance on how to reopen safely. Quote, we had work groups about how to safely open a restaurant and a brewery. Oh, so you were one of the advisors? Is this guy one of the advisors? This industry was part of the advisor board or committee or his team of experts that are giving him all this advice? Was the Brewers Guild part of that? Would that explain why they got to reopen, but the bars didn't? The debate of bars versus breweries has existed since late May when the state moved into phase two. It initially appeared that breweries would be closed, but the state then clarified that, no, oh, sorry, our bed, yes, they could open. Remember that? When they initially announced the phase two and they said bars can't open, and everybody's like, well, what about breweries? And brewers were like, whoa, 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 yeah, what about us? And then they gave them a carve out. Yeah, this is, this is why they got it, obviously. Green said, that there has been unfair speculation that Cooper was influenced by campaign contributions. He says, quote, there's a bunch of crap on social media that was wrong. Yes, we have a political action committee. Public records will show that, yes, we gave $7,000 in that account or that we have $7,000 in that account, uh, but we have not made any political contributions in over a year. Okay, Uh, have you made contributions before? (laughs) Have you promised any contributions? coming that's not exactly an answer to the questions that i have but that was wfae's story and by the way if you're aware of what happened in nashville tennessee regarding the bars and the contact tracing and the lack of spread in the bars we are right to ask these questions okay now if you have questions about your website I've got the answer. It's Schaefer Smith Design. You know your website is really important to your business. Now more than ever, right? So, you want your uh, search uh, you want your website to show up in search engine results. You want it to look really good and professional. You want it to be user-friendly, not confusing, and you do know your business, but you probably don't know how to build a website, how to design it, how to maintain it, how to do SEO. But Schaefer Smith does at Schaefer Smith Design. Great design can actually solve a lot of websites' problems. So professional services, corporate, small business, entrepreneurs, call Schaefer Smith. He can help you with graphics, photos, an online store, search engine optimization, website maintenance, security. He does logos. He did my logo for my show. Go to SchaeferSmith.com and get the most out of your website. That's SchaeferSmith.com. So the story out of Nashville, Tennessee is this, that the coronavirus cases on Lower Broadway may have been so low that the mayor's office and the Metro Health Department decided to keep it a secret. The Fox affiliate, in a story this week by Dennis Ferrier, uh, says emails between the mayor's senior advisor and the health department reveal only a partial picture, but what they reveal is disturbing. The discussion involves the low number of coronavirus cases emerging from bars and restaurants and how to handle that, and most disturbingly, how to keep it from the public. On June 30th, contact tracing was giving a small view of coronavirus clusters, construction and nursing homes. They were causing most of the problems, more than a thousand cases in each of those categories. Okay, bars and restaurants just had 22 cases. Leslie Waller from the health department then asks uh, in an email when she is she gets a request from the Tennessean newspaper reporter um, asking about the figures for bars and restaurants and the contact tracing. And so Leslie Waller sends out this reply or this email to her colleagues and to the mayor's office and says, Uh, what's up with this? Like, this isn't going to be publicly released, right? Just information for the mayor's office, right? And the mayor's office says, correct, this is not for public consumption. Because the rumors had started that there weren't actually a lot of cases tied to bars and restaurants. Now, why is this important? Because here's the timeline. Nashville began its phased opening in May, and then May 25th, Restaurants were allowed to open at three quarters capacity with bar areas still closed. Then in late June, bars are allowed to reopen, but only at half capacity. But come early July, they shut down the bars and they reduced the restaurant capacity down to 50%. So they started reopening in May. They opened up some more in June. And then July, they shut it all down. They basically dialed it back to where we are. 50% capacity restaurants and no bars open. And the reason they said they had to do it was because of all of the outbreaks at bars and restaurants. And now we find out you actually did not have bar and restaurant outbreaks. You had it in nursing homes and construction sites, which may be related to, by the way, people driving in cars uh, to the sites together. Working in close proximity, you know, sweating and breathing heavily and such. It could also be from the community spread, who's doing a lot of the construction work, right? All of these things were part of a decision to dial stuff back, but it wasn't based on the bars and restaurants. That's just what they told people. So, yes, I think we have some questions to ask now about bars and restaurants. Absolutely. Every restriction, this is Jim Garrity at National Review, every restriction enacted upon the public comes with an inherent pledge, right? That this is what the elected leaders are saying to us, basically, when they do these orders, they're saying, look, we're doing this because we have to, not because we want to, and because the data and the science and the facts support this decision. Except now we know, at least in this case, the data really did not point the finger at bars and restaurants at all. This undermines public confidence in our elected leaders and institutions. And I think what we are learning is that a lot of our leaders and institutions aren't very smart. I think that's really like this has been the most clarifying thing in the era of Donald Trump and now COVID is that a lot of the people that we relied on for expertise turn out not to be very expert at this stuff. I'm sorry, but a lot of them just do not inspire confidence, at least in me, at least in me. And I can only speak for myself. All right. uh, Shifting gears, you're going to want to stay away from downtown Asheville on Saturday, September 19th at 7 p.m. at the peaceful hour of 7 p.m., just before the sun goes down. So this way, the peaceful protesters can begin their violent behavior. I'm sure it'll be 93 percent peaceful until the 7 percent violence uh, strikes After dark, they're doing a big uh, protest uh, to the funding that the Asheville Police Department is getting by the Asheville City Council. Uh, It's up for a vote and they're trying to pressure City Council. Their vote is the 22nd to defund the police. And so they're going to do this by disrupting downtown tourism, tourism and police violence are closely connected. (laughs) No, they're not. No, they're not. This is just how leftists talk because everything is intersectional. You know, It's basically a way that they co-opt each other's groups and supporters to show greater numbers. They're like, oh, you care about this one issue? Oh, that's cool, man. I care about this other issue. But if we work together, it makes it look like we have way more people, you know, and so then we can actually force them to do stuff that we both want intersectionality that's what that is and so this is what they're employing so they now they're 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 trying to harness the anti-tourism mentality that the local leadership the local left-wing progressive city council members and candidates and uh you know uh, political monoculture has helped to foster over the last 5 years or so they want to harness that anti-tourism mentality and use it for their anti-fa uh revolutionary marxist larping efforts Uh, larping stands for live action role-playing by the way and i feel the need to mention this right now for no real reason um Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde, they have an expanded line of first aid kits and medical supplies for all kinds of emergencies, you know. They also have body armor, all kinds, made to NATO specs. Uh, This is for in-store or over-the-phone purchases only. They do have face masks as well. These are made locally by a disabled veteran family. They make them out of military parachutes, so they're lightweight and they are soft. Uh, And if you buy some, you're helping out a local family that was really hurt by the, uh, the lockdown order. Uh, Also, obviously, tons of real U.S. military surplus. Uh, For more than three decades, Old Grouch's military surplus on Main Street in downtown Clyde. The shop is open Monday through Saturday. Go in, say hello to Tim, tell him you heard it here. It's across the street from the anti-aircraft gun and at oldgrouch.com. So, yeah, they're going to protest Asheville Police Department and the funding that the city council is expected to vote on. Tourism and police violence are closely connected, they say in this flyer. Tourism is the economic engine enriching a few at the expense of the rest of us. Uh, There's that leftist mentality, that Marxist philosophy that looks at economics as a zero-sum game. Yeah, The pie is one size, and so your slice must be smaller if I get a bigger one. Tourism is the economic engine, enriching a few at the expense of the rest of us. It creates unsafe workplaces, furthers gentrification and displacement, has taken our city center from us, and worsens the spread of COVID. Your center city from you? Your center city? That sounds an awful lot like Property ownership rights of some kind. You don't own those pieces of property. That's not yours. As our community calls out for hotels, uh, sorry, calls out hotels for their harm, police have clearly demonstrated their willingness to use violence against the people to protect the tourism infrastructure. You mean the city center? Because that's what they're protecting. The tourist infrastructure is the city center that you just said was taken from you. These people. The, Marxism requires the struggle, right? They're bl- It requires a struggle against any group that they say oppresses them, keeps them from achieving their glorious revolution and their workers' paradise, where nobody actually works, right? Th- like this is how you get from tourists and the hotels uh, to funding police, right? They blame the hotels, they blame the tourists for virtually all of the local problems. And, and in doing so now, they're trying to co-opt all of the different groups that hate the tourism industry, put them all together so they can get a lot of people out into the streets. Everything is intersectional. And I've had people that asked me, hey, well, are you going to do anything? Like, uh, you know, what should we do to, to to counter this? We need to show up and, and you know, run them out of downtown. and." Like, look, they're going to go down there. They're going to be jerks. Like, they're promising to be jerks to tourists. Uh, They say in the lead up to the budget vote next week, in which city council will decide whether to defund APD, we are making a decentralized call to action for no business as usual Saturday after 7 p.m. Gather your crew, be creative, be disruptive. Right? So they're going to go and they're going to get in the face of tourists. Downtown Asheville, Saturday at 7 o'clock. What could go wrong? I am not going to uh, absolve the local leadership and the local business community that has fed this monster for years. I'm not going to be a part of it. I'm not going to go down there and help bail them out. I'm not going to help them get control of this animal that they created. They did this. They did this by pandering and placating these people. They, They would not stand up to the, to the Moonbat Brigade, and now it looks like the inmates are running the asylum. So you know what, guys? You're actually going to have to take a stand. You are going to have to stand with the cops here. You are going to have to say, you know what? No, we're not going to defund the police 50% like you idiots are calling for. It's not going to happen. And guess what? You start vandalizing businesses, we're going to throw you in jail, and we're going to start slapping half a million dollar bail on you. That's what we're going to do, because we don't want you doing this anymore to our downtown, to our city center. Right. But if I go down there and say that, well, I'm just some, you know, nobody right wing podcaster. They're not going to listen to me. I can't fight this fight because I didn't pick the fight. It's not about me. This is a political monoculture in Asheville. They got to sort it out themselves. God help them if they can't do it, by the way. That's a wrap for this episode. Please remember, subscribe to the podcast and uh, give it a positive review I appreciate that and consider becoming a patron of the program that would help out as well you get cool stuff and exclusive content links are all at thepeatcalendarshow.com and in the description of the podcast thanks so much for the support thanks for listening we'll talk with you later and don't break anything while I'm gone